I've got a guest coming. <laughs> no, but, um, you know, I updated my phone last night, and oh, that's what made me a little later this morning, because today is my son's birthday, and so I wanted to, I had all the pictures ready to post on there. I know he's asleep because he works at night, and I don't, <laughs> you know, it just makes you feel good when you see your mom post happy birthday, but uh, 33 years ago today, I became a mama for the first time in a little town in Germany, and, um, you know, God's goodness was surely chasing and following me, because I can tell you, I will not forget a moment of being in that little small hospital. They called it a stiffs clinic. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we were down in the Bavaria parts. We were in the country. It was beautiful. And um, we had a lot of experiences. But um, I was, my water broke April 1st. Thought it was, and it was April Fool's. And it didn't have them until today, probably about 3.30. So that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> and it was in a small hospital with no modern technology. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> Maybe I might say more. But anyway, but, um, it, 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 and, and so it, it was good. I want to wish him a happy birthday, and he's living his best life in Florida. Mama's jealous, and uh, he's doing really good, and he, he is an IT technology um, computer analyst. He's doing well. I'm so proud of him. And so he's had a lot of adventures, and he's still on adventures. So I want to say, happy birthday, Brandon. I know you're not watching. You're sleeping. But, um, but anyway, so God's goodness is running and chasing. He's good. He's good. He's good. I mean, 33 years ago, he was good to me. He kept us alive in that hospital and with infection, all that stuff. It was great. And so last week, I spoke about the word world and how certain terms and things like that and how now the translations are now coming out with the correct words of that. And, you know, it can direct our course whenever, you know, in the hair business, when we go to a class, you can hear, hear something forever and think you know it. But some person might say one thing and it, a light bulb will go off and it's an aha moment. And that's what we call those is an aha moment. So we hopefully when you come to Grace Life, you get these aha moments, you know, because there's a lot of courses we've been down through our journey and as Christians. And, you know, you do become like the denomination or the God you follow. And uh, we want to present the true picture of Jesus. He's the one who presented Jesus or the Father in true and in, in grace and truth. And I'm not saying anything about those denominations because we're all like a spoke in a wheel. We're all working together, moving forward, going the same way. And it's the bride of Christ. I love our brothers and sisters. But it just depends on your peace that you might have today with what you understand and what kind of course. So there are so many people here who are so much smarter than me. And a lot of people, um, there are, I mean, you know, you've got Jamie and, you know, I, I can paint in everybody, but there's a last week. So he said, and I'm like, oh, you have to share that because it's just one little thing that you could be thinking in this life. And it can, anyway, Giles, if you want to, <laughs> he is, a, he's an intelligent man. He's the special guest. Yeah. <laughs> and he'll explain it better because, you know, when somebody says something and it's your aha moment, you can explain it better than, you know, anyway. Well, good morning. I've never talked to you guys other than a shout occasionally. But uh, there's a lot. I know a lot of people. I know some things about you, but there are a few things I think that people know about me. I'm a retired Air Force officer. <clears throat> and many years ago, you know, I went off to uh, officer school, came back with the little gold bars, thought I was something. Went to flight school, and the first day there, they taught you you're not much. <laughs> 
but anyway, flight school is a very difficult thing when you first learn. It's like learning a new language. You just, you're lost. And uh, um, about three months into the program, you have to put all the stuff that you've learned together and you have to go on a check ride and there's some guy standing right here like this looking at you and you can't make mistakes and all that. So it's very nerve-wracking and uh, the first week that I was, or, or the week before the check ride, clueless. Couldn't do it. Just, you know, you're going home, boy. <laughs> and this guy walked into the class. There was 15 of us in there. There's 45 in the whole class. We were dividing into three sections. This guy walks in and he says, I know you're all struggling. We all struggle. And he said, <clears throat> think about it like this. Where have you been? Where are you? And where are you going? That's the whole thing to flying. Of course, you're doing it at 10 miles a minute. So where you've been, where you're at, and where you're going happens really quick. So um, we talked about that, and it was like, ah, okay, I know how to do this. The 15 of us went out on Friday, had a check ride. We all passed. Let me tell you something about that. There were 45 on Saturday morning. There were 23 of us, so it was pretty tough. <clears throat> so I told Lisa about that, and I've told other people that story. One comment from one guy changed the whole direction of that whole program. And so Lisa and I were talking about that, and um, it's kind of analogous to your Christian walk. Where have you been? Where are you? Where are you going? And uh, I was thinking about that sitting there when Lisa asked me to talk this morning. But uh, when you talk about where have you been, in flying, they say the two most useless things in the world, runway behind you, and sky over top of you. Think about that a minute. But when you talk about where have you been, where have you been? Where have you been? You know, all of us, I don't think I could go around anybody in this church this morning and say, tell me something that's hurt you in the past. Tell me something your church has hurt you in the past. You know, but you know what? It's behind you. And you're going 10 miles a minute. And you got away from it quick. You know, in a modern airliner, you're going 600 miles an hour. That's 10 miles a minute. That's pretty good. Where are you? Two years ago when Sarah and I came here, I wasn't here the first time. She came to, to hear Jamie because we knew him, and she said, I think we need to be going down there. Now, Jamie sometimes says in the service, is anybody here? And, yeah, I'm here, and I just, I'm just trying to absorb it. And... And I'm listening, and he's thinking nobody's listening, but we're listening. And I had another thought this morning, and I told Jamie about this. Uh, the woman with the issue of blood in the Bible, how many times did she touch Christ? One time. She didn't go back every week and touch him, did she? One time. One time was all it took. And that kind of, um, you know, when I was thinking, where are you? Well, we've all touched him one time, and you only have to touch him one time. The lesson that Jamie's been trying to teach was, uh, you know, you don't have to go back every day and get saved again every day. You're saved once. And when I talk about where have you been, 
it was years that I struggled with that. Oh, I did this today. I've got to start over. I've got to start over. And it's exhausting. You'll get so exhausted doing that, you'll give up. You really will. So where are you today? Well, here's the big thing. What's behind you? What's 10 miles a minute behind you? doesn't matter. There's nothing you can do about it. It's gone. Forget it. Where are you right now? You know, where are you right now? Are you going to touch him once and think that's enough? Or are you going to have to, oh, I've got to go back tomorrow. I've got to go back tomorrow. Well, you can't go back. You're going 10 miles a minute. But where are you going? How do you figure out where you're going? I'll talk about that another time. But up until about 1990 when I was still flying, and you are not going to believe this in the age of technology, I have navigated around the world like Christopher Columbus did. We had a sextant in the airplane, and that's what I navigated with. <laughs> now they get an airplane, plug a laptop into the autopilot, and they go. That's all there is to it. I used a sextant. But anyway, where are you going? What course, course are you on? When you're flying, you can set a heading, and if you're not paying attention, in 10 minutes, you're a mile off course. In an hour, you're 60 miles off course. It's a kiss of death if you're going across the Pacific Ocean. Okay, so you have to keep changing courses a little bit. You've got to know where you're at. You've got to know where you're going. And you've got to change course every now and then. I will tell you, as you get more experience, the course corrections get less and less and less and less. Okay. And, and that's analogous to your quick Christian walk and whose ministry you're sitting under. Because a good pastor, when you mess up, you need to turn left here. You need to turn right here. There's no slowing down. You're going 10 miles a minute. Don't ever forget that. But you know there's a runway somewhere out there that you're going to land on. So never forget this. Forget where you were. It doesn't matter. Five minutes ago does not matter. Where you're at right now kind of matters because you're learning as you go. Sarah and I have learned an amazing uh, amount under Jamie's ministry. And it took a while. <laughs> you don't just buy in the first day you're here. It took me a while. But when you, when you learn little things about, you know, the, the woman with the issue of blood, it took me a while. Everybody think that, thinks that story's about faith. Mm, I'm not so sure. She touched him one time. One time. That amazes me. Had to make a little course correction there. Had to make a little course correction there. So... Now your course corrections are going to be great as you walk closer for us under Jamie's ministry. Those course corrections, I'm not exhausted anymore. I'm not worrying about it anymore. I just make little corrections. We'll get to the runway. Thank you. I told you. It was very, I was sitting here last week going, oh, my gosh, that's so good. It's practical. And, and, what, and like when you said the course, that little bit of course what I, from last week when I was talking, you know, the way I was raised, because some people will still want to hold on to heaven and earth got to burn. And because it's the world is coming to an end, they read those scriptures. And, you know, sometimes it's cosmos in Greek. 
and sometimes it's aeon, which is a space of time. And so what course I was on was fear, thinking, oh my gosh, we're about to end any time and things going on. So that was that course, but that little correction that I saw, and it's like, oh, and now God is good. Because, you know, great. I was having to struggle in how good God is. He's grace, he's grace, but yet he's sitting back in about 10 minutes, getting he's boiling mad at any minute he's going to come and fry everybody. So good, that didn't marry. It didn't, it didn't jive together. And so that's, that's what I thought. You know, that little course, you know, that in, in an hour you're going to be way off and you're under these teachings or these man-made teachings or whatever because it's just at face value. So that's, that's why I thought, man, that is so good because if you're, you know, a little correction and you get back on course. But we're, that's for this life because the end wasn't cosmic or global. It was covenantal according to Scripture. So that's, that was the end. It was the end of one age into another. And um, anyway, we did go on, but that's okay. But um, anyway... So you ready? So I hope you all got another aha moment. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, man, that was good. Thank you, Jowls and Lisa, for helping us make a course correction. So get your Bibles out if you would. And uh, as you're turning into the scriptures, I mentioned last week that um, Lisa and I got to go hear our mentor, Dr. Lynn Howes. It's been a week ago now. Uh, in Ravenswood, and he, there were some prophecies that were spoken at the end of the service, and one was directed to a certain pastor, uh, but I had always been taught that if it's for me, I can grab it too, uh, you know, so he might not have said Jamie when he began to prophesy, but when he started prophesying, it was, I, I took it for Grace Life Church as well, uh, that they're coming back home. And that he was bringing some younger folks in, and this past week, some new younger folks have started coming, and I got to minister to two different uh, young people this week, uh, one through addiction recovery program, another uh, because I'm chaplain at the CAMC Taze Valley Hospital, uh, and unfortunately, he was there because of an overdose. But he was there because of an overdose because he had been in a local church on Wednesday night. And he went home and felt so condemned and guilty that he felt like the only answer that he had was to take his life. Folks, if you're not in a church, if you're here in the building, you're watching on the internet, if you're not in a place that's not sharing the good news uh, of the gospel, that, that's not the gospel. If you go home and all, the only answer that you have after... Hearing a message is to take your life, help us, Jesus. Um, but uh, we're, he's a part of a community uh, that probably would be ostracized by most churches. And, uh, but like we said last week, the cross was inclusive. In our church, we're going to, by God's grace, show everyone triple-A treatment. So when you walk in the building, you are affirmed, you feel accepted, and you feel affection, the love, because all of us, because of the blood of Jesus, have been accepted in the beloved. Come on, somebody say amen. You've been accepted. You are being affirmed in your identity in Christ, and you are being loved because the Father loved us so much that he sent his Son. I'm amazed that the Scripture says, while we were yet sinners, we didn't have to clean ourselves up or say certain words or look a certain way, yet while we were in sin, Christ died for us. Amen. 
my sister posted uh, this morning that this is our mother's birthday week. If you know Virginia Ruth, she's been in heaven almost three years, but April the 8th was her birthday. Uh, my favorite niece back there in the back, her birthday's coming up this week too. My nephew's birthday was yesterday. Brandon's birthday is today. My brother's birthday is the 12th. April is a good month for the rights. All right, amen. And uh, then uh, my favorite daughter is back there this morning too, Natalie. So, I'm sorry, Mary, we love you too. She's our favorite. They're all our favorites. <laughs> Matthew, so peak. Uh, Matthew, he's a favorite to everybody, but I'm going to tell a story about Natalie this morning, and I didn't know she was going to be here, and she's like, oh, Lord, um, it's okay. We're, we're going to take her time. Natalie did not have a name for the first couple of days of her existence. We thought she was going to be a boy, and so we didn't have a girl's name picked out. We were waiting on a name. Do you know names are important? Especially when you're establishing a relationship, it's important to have a name. If all, of you, all you have is a description of someone and not a name, it's hard to uh, start a relationship uh, with them. So Moses wanted to know God's name. In the story that we're going to see this morning, we're in Exodus. If you want to turn to Exodus, the third chapter. Moses wanted to know God's name when he had this encounter with God. Um, he encounters a burning bush. If you're walking through the wilderness and all of a sudden you see a bush on fire and the bush isn't burning up, I mean, this past week, I can't, I don't remember how many acres caught fire nor, near Tay's Meadow out on Popular, but there were 26 fire stations involved in trying to fight this fire, and everything that it was catching on fire was being consumed. It wasn't like the, the tree was on fire, but it wasn't, disintegrating a 6,000 square foot home is nothing but a frame now because the fire consumed it but this bush caught Moses's attention and when he goes near the bush we're going to read the story here in just a second and God gives him an assignment but he wants to know who it is that is sending him on this assignment in Exodus the third chapter we're going to read verses one through six but this story here, the burning bush itself, is what is called in the study of theology a theophany or a Christophany, which is a pre-incarnate visible manifestation of God or Christ himself. Uh, and these are pre-incarnate because Christ had not become flesh yet. You know, John 1 tells us that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. That establishes that Jesus, in verse 2 he says, uh, you know, and the word was with God, that word was in the beginning. Then we know that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, speaking of Jesus. So any appearance of Christ, such as the book of Exodus and throughout the Old Testament, are pre-incarnate appearances of Christ. And those are called theophanies. So uh, let's look at Exodus, the third chapter. I'll start with verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. 
In my Bible, the angel of the Lord is capitalized. The angel of the Lord throughout the Old Testament, it, most of those references refer again to Jesus. It wasn't an angel, it was the Lord himself, Jesus. Um, so he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sign, why the bush does not burn. Has God ever used anything in your life to get your attention? God was using the burning bush to get his attention. So then the Lord saw that he turned aside to look. God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. Isn't it amazing that God knew his name even though Moses did not yet know his name? I believe that God knows you by name. Uh, even if you, someone may not have really heard of God, understood who God was, but he still knew their name, still knows their name. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God, your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Father, help us to paint a real good and real beautiful picture of Jesus today. And in the revelation of Jesus, we will see the good, good Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, how many learned about the burning bush story in Sunday school? Have you ever heard the burning bush? I mean, I, that was one of the flannel graphs that I first remembered. And I just dated myself. But somebody was like, what's a flannel graph? You know, it looked like a chalkboard, but it had flannel on it. And then you would take the, the little figurines and the trees. And How many of you have never seen a flannel graph board? Wow, more than I thought. Those were popular in Sunday school in the day. And so you would take the character, you would put Moses up there, you'd put the bush up there, and they would stick to the flannel graph. That, you know, that, that's technology before there were lights, cameras, and video projection and all that type of stuff. But I remember learning about the burning bush in Sunday school, uh, and I remember um, the very first message that I ever preached was nine years old. In children's church, I preached to the other kids, and I prepared. And my um, the the principal at my elementary school had to call my parents and tell my parents, "Please have Jamie stop giving his notes to the secretary. She doesn't have time to type them." <laughs> but <laughs> I had seen my dad take his handwritten notes and give them to the secretary at church, and she would type his notes out for him, so I took my handwritten little nine-year-old nine handwritten notes to the secretary at school and asked her to type them for me. But I used this verse um, in that first message, I am that I am, the great I am. Throughout the Bible, God uh, appears as fire at different times. Uh, the book of Exodus is no exception. We will, you will see if you're looking through Exodus, I encourage you, we're not going to exhaust the whole book of Exodus during the month of February, February, April. We only have four weeks. And I believe Dr. Howes is going to wrap it up on week four in that Sunday morning. Uh, he has some just tremendous insights 
from the book of Exodus and how this, they are similar to the new covenant and what God uses as uh, type and shadow. Um, but we'll see the pillar of fire that led the children of Israel through the wilderness. We have the fire of the burning bush here. You'll see throughout uh, several times that he was using fire to, um, as, as a symbolism. He displayed his powerful presence to them when he descended on the Mount of Sinai. That's in Exodus 19. There was fire and smoke and lightning, and they, they wouldn't even draw and couldn't draw near to that mountain. But thank God in Hebrews, we found out that we have not come to Mount Sinai. We have come to Mount Zion. We've not come to that mountain that's burning with fire and smoke, and he says, touch not and come not near. But we have come to Mount Zion where Christ says the, through the cross that it's inclusive. You can come, you can touch. And he said, come unto me all you are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. So because of the cross you can find rest. We're going to find out today what he is um, because of the cross that we can eat on every day in the new covenant. But probably the most memorable is this burning bush encounter that Moses has um, most scholars believe that this bush was the Asia book. If you look throughout scriptures, you'll see A-C-A-C-I-A. That's the wood that God told Noah to use when he built the Ark of Safety. It is also the wood that was used in the building of the first temple, the tabernacle of God. Um, so, so they used Asia wood. I found some interesting information, and we're going to look at the burning bush for just a second and how it is a type and shadow of Christ. There were bush, this bush had thorns on it. What does that speak of? And these thorns were not part of God's original creation. Before Adam and Eve fell in the garden, they didn't have to toil and labor. The bushes just grew up and there, were, there was no thorns on any bushes. But because of sin, there was thorns on the bushes. Uh, and this bush particularly had thorns in it. And it's a type and shadow of Christ because what did he do? He took the sin of the world upon himself. Even the thorns that cursed the earth. And he reversed that at the cross. I believe that everything was redeemed at the cross. Not just you and me and our sins, but I believe he redeemed the world. The cosmic world, the earth is no longer cursed. I believe it. And if it's no longer cursed, I believe in an everlasting world. I believe that the earth is without end. Because he has set up his kingdom here. Um, we've got to quit focusing so much on the going to the kingdom. Just let me make this statement and you, you let it sink in and think about it. If the ultimate goal of receiving Christ into your heart is to go to heaven when you die, then ask the Lord to kill you now. I mean, if that's the ultimate, let's just all die and go to heaven and where it's all. But I believe that he said, hey, I came to give you life and that more abundant. I heard one preacher say, you know, are you ready to die? And one little kid in the back said, no. And he said, well, you need to come and get saved. He said, I'm already saved. He said, but I'm not ready to die. You know, I'm eight years old. i got a lot of life to live. 
So let's start teaching our children that they can live the abundant life. They've secured the afterlife. And so the kingdom is more the way that Jesus taught the disciples to pray, Thy kingdom come. And so as his kingdom is coming to the earth, then this earth is not cursed. And he has given it to us as an inheritance. And so it's not going to burn up. Just think about it. We see humanness and divinity in the burning bush. The burning bush helps us to understand that Christ was simultaneously human and divine. The fire did not consume the bush just as the divinity of Jesus did not consume his humanity. He was fully God and fully man. The fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him bodily. And he, was, he did not do the things that he did as divinity. He did the things that he did as a man full of the Holy Ghost. We don't see Jesus doing anything in the Gospels till after his baptism and the Holy Ghost falls upon him. He preaches his first sermon and says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And then he starts his public ministry and we see him as a man doing signs, wonders, and miracles though the divinity, all of the Godhead dwelt in him. And the burning bush, humanity and divinity were able to coexist in the same body. The bush... Consumed by fire was not less of a bush because it was consumed by fire. It was both wood and fire just as Jesus had taken on the form of man and no less God. Then to get to the point of this whole message and the beginning of our series, Jesus is the great I Am. During this burning bush encounter, God appears to Moses and identifies himself as God of the Father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, I told you at the beginning, this is a theophany. This is a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ himself. So Christ is coming, he's appearing, but he has not yet become the flesh man. Does that make sense? Because he was, he is, and he is to come. I believe that he came and showed himself to Moses. I believe that he came and showed himself as a man. I believe that he has appeared many times since he ascended. And I believe that he will come again. And he's still appearing to men and women. Boys and girls of all ages. God is the Hebrew word Elohim, and it simply means God. But Moses knew many gods. Do you remember the story? If you read Exodus 1, you will find out that during uh, his birth, they were killing all of the babies two years of age and under. Does that sound familiar? At the time of Christ becoming a man, they were killing all of the babies two years and under. Moses was a deliverer. Jesus came to deliver us. There are a lot of similarities here. But thank God there no longer exists a mediator between God and man except for the man Jesus Christ who hung between heaven and earth and he forgave us of our sins and wiped away the penalty of sin and delivered us from sin. Do you know what Egypt is symbolic of? Sin. But he didn't know Elohim. He knew Ra. 
the sun god of Egypt. See, he was put in a basket. Moses was a basket case, like a lot of us are. And Pharaoh's daughter pulled him out of the Nile River. And amazingly, miraculously, in the plan of God, his biological mother becomes a servant in the house of Pharaoh's daughter so that she nurses and raises her own son. But he doesn't know who God is. You know, a lot of people believe in a God form. There are a lot of people that believe in a lot of different gods. And, but where people begin to separate in theology is when, they, when you tell them that Jesus is God. People will say, I hear athletes and actors and musicians stand up and I want to thank God. But the, there is a difference when someone stands up and says, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is God. Moses asked God in Exodus 3.13, What should I tell the Israelites that your name is? Who shall I say sent me? And he says, I am who I am. He is eternal. He is self-sufficient. He is the source of everything. Colossians tells us that without him nothing was made and without him nothing is held together. He made it all and he holds it all together. He is the source of everything. God wanted to remind Moses that he was a personal God. I am who I am. Where do we see this in the New Testament? Flip with me over to John the 8th chapter. John 8, 58. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So he tells Moses that I'm the God of your father, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob. And then Jesus shows up on the scene and he says, now in his man suit, yet fully God, and he says that before Abraham ever existed, I am. It's the same name that he gave to Moses to tell the people that I am sent you. Jesus right here in this scripture tells everyone I always have been. I existed before time and space. I'm outside of time and space, yet I'm inside time and space. He's man and he's God. And he existed before Abraham. He, he existed before the foundations of the world. That's the only way he could have been the Lamb of God slain before the, the, wor the world was founded and framed and formed. The Jews recognized this reference to God and were ready to stone Jesus for making such a statement. That's John 8, 58. If you would look at the next verse, they begin to complain. And if you read the rest of John, the 8th chapter, you would find out that he began to sense and feel and knew that they were complaining about that. And then he starts into a dissertation on I am God, I am the I am. And one of the statements that he makes, um, well, several of the statements because there's seven of them in the Gospel of John, the seven I am's, coordinates with what you would find who Jesus is in Exodus. Let me go quickly. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on these. I will give you a scripture reference for you to study through the week. But here are the seven I am's that Jesus 
claims, and then I'm going to look specifically at one of them this morning. He said in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. That's the one we're going to come back to. He says in John 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. He says in John 10, 9, I am the door. And then in chapter 10 of John, verse 11, he said, I am the good shepherd. He says in John eleven twenty five 25 and 26, I am the resurrection and the life. He's standing at the tomb of Lazarus and he declares that he is the resurrection and the life. In John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then in John 15, verse 1 through 5, he declares that he is the vine, the true vine. I, I could spend several weeks on each one of those. Let me suggest to you a writing that you can read that will give you great insight on the seven IMs. That's Dr. Lynn Howes' book on the paradigm shift between law and grace. He will be bringing copies of those with him, but you can go to his website and purchase those. Incredible book. He goes over each one of these, but I believe specifically since we're finding Jesus in the book of Exodus, and he is the great I am, that we can relate that, especially with the bread of life. Because in John 6, 35, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life, and he who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never thirst. About five verses before this, six verses before this, they have asked Jesus a question. What work of God must we do? And Jesus tells them in John 6, 29, the only work of God that you must do is to believe. So he took all works off, off the table. They're gone. Because Jesus finished the work for you. And he says, now you, all you must do is to believe. And then he tells them, I am the bread of life. And you won't go hungry if you'll eat of me. And if you will partake of me, drink of me, you'll never go thirsty. And what happens? They don't believe. The manna, how many of you remember the manna in the wilderness? So, you know, Charlton Heston goes to get the people from Egypt. Tim's laughing back there. He played Moses in the, the Bible movie. So Moses goes to get the people. <laughs> Did that catch you funny, Brad? <laughs> I said Tim played Moses. Charlton Heston played Moses in the Bible movie. Tim, you remind me of him. You're striking good looks. But you know the plagues that they go through, let my people go. And so they get out past the Red Sea, which is a type and shadow of baptism. When you look at Exodus, they come out of sin. They go through the Red Sea. Blood, that's a type and shadow of baptism. And so now they're in the wilderness, and in the wilderness they don't have anything to eat, and they complain, you brought us out here to die, Moses. And so God gives them manna from heaven. The manna in the wilderness was God's provision for the children of Israel in the wilderness. He was their source. Now check this out. Jesus says in John 6, 35, that he was the bread of life that had come down from heaven. So he's the true bread. 
not manna in the wilderness, even though that was provision, he was showing his children that when the bread, true bread that came down from heaven came into existence, that he would be their provision. Jesus is our provision. And do you know what type of provision he is? Just like the manna in the wilderness, it's a daily provision. Give us this day our daily bread. They had to learn to fully rely upon and trust in Jesus. Or for them, back then, it was trust God that the, the bread would show up every morning. Man, when I saw that, that, that means to me that the manna was fresh every morning. They, they couldn't store up. The, the, the rule was if you stored up, it would rot and it wouldn't be edible. So God was going to give you fresh bread every morning, a daily supply. I'm thankful that His mercies and His grace are new every morning. Lamentations 3.22 says, Through the Lord's mercy, Though the Lord's mercies will not consume me, because His compassion fails not, they are new every morning. A daily bread, fresh bread, every day. In the midst of whatever battle, situation, circumstance you're facing, he's the fresh bread in that situation. You don't have to try to eat off of that. Have you ever stale, dry bread? You left it open in the, 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 can, the, the, the cabinet there and you get it out and the, the bread twisty was off and then it's blue and it's crusty and it's hard. And I like fresh bread. I smell bread baking. And then you get the butter out and... Fresh bread. That's the way Jesus is. He's fresh bread. The manna that was their provision and was fresh every morning was a gift. They didn't have to do anything. They didn't, the sweat of their brow to raise wheat. They just walked out of their tent and the fresh manna from heaven a gift from God was laying on the ground and they just collected it and ate it for the day. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. He gave us fresh bread. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. There's nothing you can do to deserve it. It was a free gift to us. The bread of heaven, the bread that came down. Jesus said in one place, I am the true bread that came down out of heaven. The manna was their main source of sustenance. They didn't have anything else to strengthen them or to nourish them. Can I tell you that Jesus alone is enough? You don't have to add anything else to theology. Jesus is perfect theology. He is your sustenance. He is your strength. He is your nourishment. John 6, 51 says, Jesus said, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. That sounds like sustenance. That sounds like sustainment. If you eat of Jesus, the true bread, you have, you will live forever. Mm. He says then that the bread that I give you is my flesh which I shall for the life I shed for the life of the world. Verse 54. Whoever eats my flesh 
and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Can I just mention something? And if you want to go check out about a 45-minute teaching I did last year uh, on Judas Iscariot. Judas was in the room. He ate his flesh and he drank his blood. Just think about it. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. He says in another place, whoever doesn't eat my body and doesn't drink my blood has no part of me. The bread of life, Frank, if you'll come. I have a question. You know I like to give you questions. My question for you this morning, have you tasted it? Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Lisa and I like to go to the bridge. It's a local farm-to-table restaurant here in Hurricane. Used to be right before you came on to Main Street down over the little bridge there. That's why it was called the bridge. Well, they just started exploding. Their business was good. It's, I mean, it's natural foods from farm to table. And, man, we just love it. Matthew likes the breakfast over there. We take our guests there. But we love the bridge. Well, they closed in December to, to move to a new location to expand their business. And they were hopefully going to be open in January, and then it was February, and then permits and health department things. So they opened Thursday night. They opened back up. We didn't know that they were going to be open Thursday night, but when I saw it on Facebook, so let's see if they're open Friday. We drove by there, the lights on, it's like Krispy Kreme. It said open, I, you know, it was hot, let's go get some. And we pulled in there, and we saw a couple that we knew and said hello to them, and we were talked to them for a few minutes, ordered our food, and it was good. We really enjoyed it, but we posted it on Facebook. Some people were starting to comment, hey, where's that at? You know, things like that. It's like, have you tasted it? Once you've tasted it, you'll go back. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. The bread of life that Jesus embodies will never perish. It will never spoil. It will never ran out, run out. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And Jesus said, I did not come to do my own work or say my own words. I only say what the Father tells me to say. So the words that proceeded out of the mouth of Christ were the words of the Father. Those are words to live by. I believe that we, we have a daily supply. We have a fresh supply. And that we... I'll say it this way in a couple of weeks because he's also over the Passover lamb. We need to eat more lamb. But man, it's good to eat fresh bread. Even in the physical realm, you can live by bread and water alone physically. You can, you can sustain for a long period of time. But when you've tasted of the Lord the bread of life, he says you have eternal life. It will sustain you. It will give you strength. Now pay attention for just a second and listen. And please on the internet, listen and turn your volume up because a lot of people misquote me when they hear me say this. This is the Bible. Okay. 
but it's not the Word of God. This isn't quick and sharp and it doesn't cut. It's not alive. But Jesus, who is the Word, is quick and powerful and alive. Thank God we have the written words of God so that we can learn more about who He is. But do you know for the first several centuries, there weren't, there weren't the Gospels until Paul, I mean, I'm sorry, first several centuries, the first several years, because in the first century, the Gospels get written, the Epistles get written. On the way to Emmaus, on the, the road to Emmaus, after his resurrection, he didn't open up to them Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He opened up to them Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And he spoke of himself. When we look into Exodus and we find Jesus, and we look and we see the manna, the bread, what that is doing is it is pointing the way to Jesus. Thank God that we in this day and time, we get to look back and see that all that he accomplished and did at the cross, they were looking forward. They had no idea what was going to come. And unfortunately, a lot missed it. He said, I came into my own and my own received him not. They did not recognize him. Jesus said that your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they're dead. But if you'll eat of this bread, me, my body, you'll live forever. I want to encourage you. One of the ways to get fresh bread, to receive fresh bread, is to open up the book. Because when you open up the book, it's going to show you this daily bread that you can have. And then I believe the Holy Spirit begins to reveal things to you and it sustains you, it strengthens you, it encourages you, it lifts you. Um, so please don't go out of here saying that I don't believe that the, this is the Word of God. I believe that Jesus is the Word of God and this book, when the written words on these pages tell us about Him. But there are millions of people still yet today that don't have a copy of this. So are they able to be saved? Absolutely. Because Jesus is the bread of heaven. And our daily bread comes from him. I mean, Matthew's even posting on our um, app every day the scripture readings for the week to help you read through the scriptures and find Jesus, your daily bread as you're digging through the scriptures. Just one of the many ways in the book of Exodus that you can see Jesus. Again, I couldn't. we could spend days and days and days and not, not exhaust him. He's the cloud by day. He's the pillar of fire by night. He's the rock. He's the burning bush. He's the great I am. He's the Passover lamb. Uh, he's the living water. Uh, just, it's full in Exodus. Read it this month and be encouraged. And then when you come to service, you'll know a little bit more about what is going on in the book of Exodus. Let's stand together. You know, there's all kinds of breads. If you go to the grocery store, wheat bread, whole grain bread, Ezekiel bread, keto bread, rye bread, just all kinds of bread. Then you can find bread in all types of shapes and forms you can have flatbread pita bread hot dog buns hamburger buns hoagie buns it's all when i see that 
What that's telling me that the bread that came down of heaven can be seen in all shapes, forms, and flavors. Why? Because he's touching everyone. Some people don't like flatbread. Some people like their bread toasted. Some people like honey on their bread and other people like butter on their bread. It's, that's just telling me that the vastness of God so that everyone can find what they like. Just taste of him and see that he is good. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? Just contemplate and meditate on the word that you've heard this morning and let's just um, whatever you need right now thank him for his daily bread to supply he's your provision healing do you need healing this morning in your body the scripture says that healing is the children's bread do you need healing this morning Take a bite out of the healing bread of Jesus. By his stripes, you are healed. I, think, I believe that there's deliverance in the bread. He is the deliverer. Lisa and I have been talking about that. Man, the greatest deliverance ministry took place at the cross. You don't need to be delivered from anything else. You just need to become awake to what you've already been delivered from. It's a mindset. It's a repentance where you change your mind about what he has already done from you. Take a bite out of the living bread this morning. Realize that you are delivered mentally, emotionally, physically. Father, these are your children. This morning, whatever their need is, you know all about it. You've already sent the answer. So we reach out and we claim it today. And as we leave this building, we're leaving encouraged. We're leaving lifted. I believe we're leaving full of the bread of life. And tomorrow, when the fresh bread is needed, you are our supply. You are our source. And your mercies will be brand new. Your grace will be brand new. Your love for us will be a clean, fresh, unending supply. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. You have anything? That's a good question. Lisa asked if you've never tasted of the bread. Maybe you've never partaken of the free gift of salvation that he offers. That same context of scripture in verse 29 of chapter 6 of John, he says, the only work you must do is to believe. It's more than just a mental ascent of saying, oh, yeah, there's a God. Yeah, there was a man. He died. But believing that what he did on the cross by faith has completely eradicated the sin of the world, and you're going to partake of that. If that's you this morning, all you need to do is say, Lord, I believe. I mean, I don't have to pray a prayer. You can if you want, but there's no recorded prayer that Jesus led people in believe believe in your heart confess with your mouth thou shalt be saved there's no other name given among men where you buy you must be saved but the name of Jesus so this morning if you believe just call on his name and repent now there's some of us that need to taste the fresh bread we've been eating stale bread 
and you get sick of it, and so then you just quit eating altogether. Eat some fresh bread. And there are a lot of folks out there serving fresh bread and wine. Find them, glean from them, and then you too are a priest, and you can serve the bread and wine.